0: Son and give him the glory, great things he hath done. And give thanks to the Lord our God and King. His love endures forever. For he is good, he is above all things. His love. His love endures forever and, and for the life that's been reborn His love endures forever Sing pray. Sing to the setting sun, his love endures forever, and by the grace of God we will carry on, his love endures forever, sing. we I will serve you Sing together. Amen. Please be seated.
1: Good morning, church. <clears throat> Please join me during a time of prayer. I will word a specific prayer, and then we will at, <clears throat> excuse me, then we will all say, "Lord, hear our prayer. The screen will prompt you. <clears throat> Lord God, we pray this morning a prayer of gratitude for our his kids' ministry, who every week blesses our children through presence, teaching and worship. Our volunteers and staff make up the beating heart of this church. Remind them, God, of their belovedness to us and to you. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for the city of Abilene and specifically for our local government. We pray for your kingdom to break through in our city and that your compassion for all people would become evident through our civil action. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray also for the worldwide church as we ask for you to restore the world. Our hearts are especially with those who are persecuted and for those working day in and day out to minister, or be a light in places where they may feel alone or unseen. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Now, please join with me in praying the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day, Our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not in temptation but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever
0: amen who am i that the highest king would welcome you i was lost but he brought me in oh his love for me oh his love for me who the sun sets free oh is free indeed i'm a child of god yes i am last he has ransomed me, his grace runs deep. While I was a slave to sin, Jesus died for me. Yes, he died for me, who the Son sets free, always oh, free. In my Father's house, there's a place for me, I'm a child of God, yes I am, I am chosen, not forsaken, I am who you say I am, you are for me. Oh, it's free indeed. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. It's the voice of the church singing.
2: Welcome to the table. In just a moment, the communion trays will be passed and there are two cups stacked together. One holds the bread and the other the juice. Hold them until all have been served and we will take communion together. There is a kind of bond that frees. Communion unites us with the person of Jesus Christ It recalls our identity that we put on in baptism. As we drop the bread on our tongues and taste the wine in our mouths, we might imagine that we are taking Christ into ourselves. And we are. But in another wonderfully mysterious way, Jesus is taking him, taking us, into himself. As he said in John six, those who eat my flesh and drink my blood remain in me and I in them. So allow Jesus to take you into himself, to consume you and to be united with the human and divine person of Jesus. One who knows our struggles, Who knows our sins and who offers life in a bond that frees. Each time we partake of communion, it's special and sacramental, but this morning is World Communion Day, the first Sunday of October. So in Brazil and Thailand and Lebanon and Abilene Churches and Christians all across the world are participating in this sacrament. Servers, would you come forward at this time?
0: Precious blood has left me forgiven, pure like the whitest of stone. To make sin and shame retreat, this covenant is making me whole. So. I- clean. Purify my heart in your presence. Teach me to discover the joy. Holiness that forms as you draw me close. In you what was lost is restored. So I will rise and lift my head, for by his mercy my life was spared. The highest name has set me free,
2: because of
0: Jesus my heart is clean, so I will rise my head for by his mercy my life was spared the highest name has set me free because of jesus my heart is clean because of jesus My heart is clean.
2: Will you pray with me, please? Lord, thank you for your worldwide church as we partake at this moment and live this week. May we remain in you and you in us. We pray through Jesus. Amen. The body of Christ. blood of Christ. The Lord be with you.
0: Thou fount of every blessing, tune my heart to sing Thy grace. Streams of mercy ever ceasing, call for songs of loudest praise, teach me songs party
3: My name is Ashley Crisp and I'm the children's minister here. And I have the privilege of being with our friends from birth all the way up to fifth grade each week. If you are here in this room this morning or if you're watching us online, we are so glad you chose to be with us today. Finding a place to connect and belong is very important to us. If you are interested in hearing more about who we are, how to get connected or how to become a member, I invite you to fill out a Connect card that you can either find in the seat back in front of you or going to our website, highlandchurch.org slash connect. And someone in our office will be in contact with you this week. We'd like to invite you to participate in our blended worship survey if you haven't already. Your feedback is important to our team. You can either scan the QR code on the screen behind me or you can find it on our social media, or if you prefer a paper copy, you can find those at the info desk out in the atrium. With today being the first day of October, the countdown to fall fest has begun. If you are able, please consider donating bags of individually wrapped candy for our community to enjoy on October 29th. Buckets are placed around the auditorium to place your donations. And go ahead and save the date. It's always a fun one, and we hope you plan to join us in a couple of weeks. Women of Highland, you are invited to join us as we gather for dinner over the next year. Groups of eight to 10 women will meet in homes for a meal, conversation, and prayer once a month. Each group stays together from October through May, and no matter your age, there's a place for you at the table. These groups are intergenerational, knowing that everyone has something to offer. If you're interested in joining one of these groups or finding more information, We invite you to go to highlandchurch.org slash events and find this graphic, and there you will see the interest form to fill out and a link to contact Kathy Moore if you have any questions. Through your generosity of your time, talent, and treasure, you make it possible for God's work to restore Highland, Abilene, and the world possible. There are three ways to give. You can text to give, give online, or place your gift in the offering boxes along the back wall. I forgot to invite my friends before I started talking to His Kids Worship. So if you have not made your way that way, my friends that are three years old to kindergarten can follow me out these back doors.
4: If you are able, please stand for the reading of the word. This morning, I'll be reading from Galatians 5. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Listen, I, Paul, am telling you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no benefit to you. Once again, I testify to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obliged to obey the entire law. You who want to be reckoned as righteous by the law have cut yourselves off from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything. The only thing that counts is faith working through love. The word of the Lord. Please be seated.
5: It is that Christmas classic, Christmas Carol, written by Charles Dickens, which most of us have probably never read, but many of us have seen. Maybe it's with Patrick Stewart, or maybe it's with the Muppets. Maybe it was a cartoon. It doesn't matter. It's known. There's this line that appears in the book that doesn't show up in the movies that I've seen. Maybe you've seen it. I wear the chain I forged in life, replied the ghost. I made it link by link, and yard by yard. I girded it on by my own free will, and of my own free will I wore it. Is its pattern strange to you? The context here is Ebenezer Scrooge is, is visited by his former partner, Jacob Marley, and if you've never read Christmas Carol, or you've never seen the movie, you have to realize that Jacob Marley is as dead. And Ebenezer Scrooge is in for the night of his life. He's going to be visited by the ghosts of Christmas, Christmas past, Christmas present, and Christmas future. But Marley appears as this portent, this prophet, about telling Scrooge what he's in for. And in this little quote I read, we find that Marley's afterlife isn't as pleasant as we'd hoped. The chains that he carries slows him down, holds him to the ground, drags him slowly. The, Dickens describes that the, the chain is, looks maybe like those chains you wear around the wrists with charms. Except the charms are enormous. The chain was lockboxes, ledger books, deeds, and heavy purses wrought in steel. I wear the chain I forged in life, says Jacob. I think it's probably not far to say that we bear the chains we forge in our lives, not just as Marley does in death, but right now in this moment right here in our lives. The lies we believe, from the evil one take root in our body and disorder our passions. And this disorder is affirmed by a bent and chaotic culture. All of this leading to the alienation of our souls, alienation from one another, alienation from God. This is the battle of your very self. And I'm glad that you're here today. My name is Shane Hughes, I'm one of the ministers here and we are delighted, especially if you're visiting, Uh, to be here with us at Highland. We believe this is a place that is called to do something important in the world. And we want you to be a part of that importance as we together join God in the work that he is doing to restore our church and our city and our world. We're going to be in Galatians 5 today, but before we jump into the text, um, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we confess that Not every link in the chain we have forged represents your goodness. And Father, we admit that the burden of our hearts and our souls sometimes weigh us down and away from you. So Father, we we pray for the grace of Jesus Christ offered on the cross, freely given by your indulgent love, that you might set us free from chains we might walk with you. And Father, I pray that you pour through me the gift of preaching, that I might speak your truth and love to these, your people. It's together that the church says. Amen. So I signed a little bit of take-home this week, and I hope that you had the chance to engage it. How was your, your fasting and your confession? I hope you had a chance to take it seriously, because we debated not quite lightheartedly, but a little lightheartedly, if we could build a confession booth in our building last week. If we could build that space and announce it to all of you that you could come and maybe experience how some parts of the Christian tradition have, have found a way to, to ease their souls, to ease their burden. And, and maybe, maybe that's because we wanted you to know what it was like to experience, uh, to begin to bear your soul. And maybe we need that sort of furniture in the church. Not because of the burden of guilt, although that's real, or the weight of shame, although you can feel that too. Not because our goal is to become sort of some sort of moral perfectionists or some sort of elites, or not because we have a stunted view of grace that requires confession of every sin or the risk of punishment in hell. We don't we don't hold any of those things. It's not because we wanted to give you the tools that would make you kind of a superly spiritual elitist. And that's maybe the only thing they need to bother with. We wanted you to have that experience this week of confession because it changes your relationship with God, it opens doors and windows in your soul to God. But the longer we talked, the more we realized we didn't need to bother with building a confessional in our building because there are confessionals all over town. Maybe it's at Los Arcos over some chips and salsa or in um, another restaurant over, you know, other food that's not as good or over a cup of coffee at a Starbucks or a kitchen table, a quiet ride in your car with someone that you love we realize that there are the opportunity for any space to become that confessional. That place where you can speak the truth of your struggle and your hurt, your risk of sin, or maybe even the destructive power that sin has in your life. So I hope that you took a chance to confess something. And even if you just nibbled around the edge of of the the, the core of your identity. That's just fine. Keep doing that. Keep finding that person in that place where you can do that kind of work because it is soul-changing work. We believe in the lavish nature of God's love. The Christ love on the cross covers a multitude of sins. And as we become more and more aware of that love, it transforms us, it changes us, it restores us. And so i want to sort of flip the idea of fasting and confession on their heads as we've experienced them in the past. They are not burdens that you have to do to be a faithful Christian. They are the invitations of God's intimacy. Fasting sets you free from the slavery of your own body's desires. And it gives your mind the ability to say no. And confession sets you free from the isolated prison cell of your own malignant sin. Sin is so isolating. It makes you feel alone. In Galatians 5, Paul is clear about this. He says, you must crucify the flesh. Not only kill it, but put it on a spectacle. Make the disordered desires a mockery in your life that is not only dead, but even the idea of it is repugnant. And so I want us to think about what Paul says about the nature of freedom today as he begins to address those whom he deeply loves in Galatians, Galatians chapter 5. Because freedom takes on several forms. The book of Galatians is not written to a church, which is, makes it kind of unique in, in Paul's letters or an individual. It's written to an entire region. And, and it's written to a group of churches that he planted and then he had to leave. And others came along after Paul to continue the work, but they began to mislead the Galatians. Uh, they would say things like, well, Paul didn't tell you the, the full gospel, there's more. He didn't have time to give you the, the full picture. You need to start following the Torah if you really want to be faithful to Christ. This is how you please God. So these are the things you need to begin to do. Obey the Sabbath and don't eat certain foods and keep certain holidays and, and get circumcised. And Paul, with about as strong rhetoric as he uses in the New Testament, says no. No. I love the way that Leah read this text today, but I I think you could put a lot more exclamation points in it. I think you'd imagine Paul with, with veins on his neck beginning to show as he says this to his scribe. Paul says no. If you hang anything else on salvation other than the cross of Christ, you are rejecting the grace of God. That kind of gospel is no gospel at all. And in this case, using the Torah this way rejects God's intent. And it it seems interesting because because the Galatians who are rescued from a a paganism that are led into Christ are being led into kind of the other side of the ditch of legalism. The supposed freedom of the irreligious paganism of their former lives is really no different than the bondage of having to earn God's approval by their own works because both of these are a way of avoiding Christ and the freedom he brings. We can reject God by saying, forget you, I don't need a savior, I make my own rules. Or by saying, I don't need a savior, I can make God like me by doing all the things that he wants. But neither of those ditches on either side of the road of grace are ways of living into the freedom that we really long for. And that only God provides. And this is where the idea of freedom begins to rub against the cultural values. We're going to talk some more in the next few weeks about kind of the world and the world's perception. and The Western view of freedom is different than what Paul was talking about in Galatians chapter 5. Most people in our culture today would be, think of freedom as, as being able to do what you want, when you want, with who you want, with no authority ruling your life. Most of us would think of freedom as, as the less laws, the better. The less rules, the better. The less regulation, the better. Let me be free. But this freedom has some side effects. Being free from others also entails alienation from others. I mean, there's all sorts of freedoms that you, we experience when, when you're American. And, and maybe you can think about some of those with me. There's that freedom when you turn 16 with a driver's license. I remember the first time I turned 16 and my, my mom asked me, hey, can you go to King Supers? Because that's what the grocery stores were called in Colorado. Can you go to King Supers and pick up some stuff for me? And my mom thought she was getting like an errand accomplished that she didn't have to do. But what she was giving me were the car keys. And I realized two blocks away from my house, I could turn left and go to King Supers, or I could go straight or turn right and go wherever I want. I had freedom. Or maybe if you're in college, it's the first time you take a weekend trip and you just decide to visit some friends in Austin or Dallas or Houston or wherever and you you get in the car and you check out from the dorm and you go and you realize your parents have no idea where you are. You have the freedom now to get a tattoo or whatever. This, This feels like what freedom is. But really, that's just a glimpse of autonomy. That's not freedom. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 13, Paul is going to say, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. G.K. Chesterton would say, Most modern freedom is at root fear. It is not so much that we are too bold to endure rules, it is rather we are too timid to endure responsibilities. Edmund Burke, who was a philosopher, a politician, and a thinker around the time of America's formation, he says it this way, and I want you to listen carefully to these words. Men and women are qualified for civil liberty in the exact proportion to their disposition to put moral chains upon their own appetites. In proportion as their their love to justice is above their greed in proportion to their soundness and sobriety of understanding is above their vanity and presumption in proportion that they are more disposed to listen to the counsels of the wise and good in in preference to the flattery of idiots society cannot exist unless a controlling power upon will and appetite be placed somewhere and the less of it is there is within there more there must be without. It is ordained in the internal constitution of things that intemperate men and women's minds cannot be free. Their passions forge their fetters. And fetters is one of those words we sang in the song right before the sermon. It means chains, links, bounds. I think what what Burke is saying and what Chesterton is saying and what what Paul is saying is that there is a relational constraint that comes from love because I love my family there are a lot of things that I don't do because I love my partner there's a lot of things that I don't do and there's a lot of affection that I don't pursue. Because I love my city and because I love the world, there are things that I don't engage in because there are relational constraints of love. And this is the love that God demonstrates. And it doesn't take you very long in scripture to realize this. That God is betrayed by Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter three, but he responds in constraint because of love. He's betrayed by the world in Genesis chapter five. Betrayed in the wilderness by Israel. Moses has to talk him back from just starting over. He's betrayed by Judas at the cross. God has more than enough reason over and over and over to wipe the slate clean and to start over. But God is not free in the Western sense. Because God is love. And there's a difference between love and freedom. Look how Paul continues his thought. Look with me in, in Galatians chapter 5, beginning in verse 13. For you are called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity to indulge the flesh, but through love become enslaved to one another. For the whole law is summed up in a single commandment. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. If, however, you bite and to devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. And I think there are probably a hundred different ways we are bitten and devoured by one another. From knives in the back of a corporate boardroom on the 145th floor as we struggle to climb the ladder to the intentional invisibility of the beggar standing below on the street. There are a million ways that we bite and devour one another. In this text, it seems that Paul is trying to say that the opposite of indulging the flesh is loving your neighbor as yourself. And there's all sorts of different types of love. and In the New Testament, there's different Greek words used to delineate a uh, different way that people are related to things. There's the, the, the friendship love of philos, there's the romantic love of eros. There's the love of parents, the self-sacrificial love of agape. And I, I'm not sure it matters much which form of love we we'll use in this take because a lie that tells me my freedom is the highest virtue and a body that is disordered merely to satisfy the cravings and fleshly desires, there isn't a lot of daylight between the way I feel about cake, I love cake, and I love my boyfriend or girlfriend or even spouse. If the way that you treat them is the same, consuming them for your own appetite, it's no different. And the end is the same. But there's something deeper In you because you have the spirit there is something deeper in you a deeper drive for goodness a deeper drive that constrains your choices so that you are free to love others a deeper spirit inside you that moves you and calls you to something more than just your preference the Western view of freedom does not solicit obligation And you can see that in a million different ways in our disordered and chaotic culture right now. Leaders that pursue their own gain, their own pleasure, their own need for fame in a hundred different ways instead of choosing to serve the people. But it also happens to all of us. Why should you get married if it limits your freedom of partner? Why should you give to a church or an organization that you believe in if it limits your freedom of resources? Why commit to a body of believers if it limits you to working out the conflicts, the important ones and the petty ones, they're all the same, and learning to love one another? I am suspicious of the believer that claims both spiritual maturity and a complete lack of groundedness in a church community. I don't think I trust that leader because that leader has not committed to love. That leader is following, valuing freedom over love. That leader hasn't become a slave. And I realize that word has certain background, certain things tied to it. And Slavery has a bad context in, in the U.S., and I want you to hear me out. I want you to listen to me carefully. Chattel slavery in the American South was a sinful enterprise that used the backs of Africans to build the economic structure of society. It created 400 years of racism. It is America's apparent original sin, abhorrent original sin. It is a sin of which we have not collectively confessed, and we have certainly not repented. But maybe being a slave isn't all that bad. Let me put it to you this way. Let me sell you with this. If you're going to be a slave, at least be a slave for the right master. Peter, in 1 Peter, says it better. And he's speaking about false teachers who promise freedom, but they themselves are a slave to depravity. That people are slaves to whatever has mastered them. And this is why Paul says, keep in step with the Spirit. And you could imagine there the uh, soldiers marching in cadence together. You can imagine there a hiker with, with the person in front, and you're, you're keeping up with them so that you can go where they go. Keep in step with the Spirit. Go where Jesus goes. Because like Jacob Marley, we too are forging our chains. But may the chains we forge bind us to God's love. And when you bind your chains to God's love, you will find that they are light and easy. And instead of ledgers and lockboxes, may they be love, joy, peace, and all of the rest. Robert Robinson, when he was 22 years old, penned the words, To come thou found. And this is where I want us to close today. Let thy goodness, like a fetter, bind my wandering heart to thee. Here's my heart. O take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. In the ancient Near East, in the first century, a a seal was this wax glob that was placed over a letter. And onto it was impressed the impression of a signet ring. And it it uh, ensured a sense of confidentiality. That you knew if the the seal was broken, somebody else had already read the letter. It also conveyed a sense of authenticity that you knew because of the signet ring that it came from the king. The letter was meant for one person. So let our hearts be sealed for one God. Let our worship be sealed for God alone. Let our passions be bound by God's heart. And not a sense of flippant, useless, and quite frankly, illusionary freedom. Will you stand for the benediction, please? Here's our hearts. Lord, take and seal them. Seal them for thy courts above. Go in peace. Like a river flowing down
0: to the sea, like a rushing wind.